Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. It's the latter part of the month of January, and here at Bride Ministries, we are doing our due diligence to get our donation statements out for all of the many of you that supported us through the year of 2017. As always, I um, make the announcement at the beginning of every year, if there's any issues that you find with your statements, please get back to us, write to us at info at bridemovement.com or give at bridemovement.com and we will get that resolved for you as fast as possible. I am just very grateful for all of you that showed up and financially supported us, especially uh, what you guys did for us at the end of 2017 as it literally fulfilled the prophetic word that was withheld for two years. I am just extremely excited. I uh, want to say we have so much coming up this year at Bride Ministries. We are going to be doing our city prayer meetings. We are going to be hosting a prayer class coming up real soon here. And for those of you that missed the discipleship courses, guys, the prayer class is coming. It'll be eight weeks. Once a week, we'll be meeting like we used to do old school style. And that's going to be starting as soon as I can get this prayer manual finished. I have uh, two conferences coming up in the next three weeks, and so I've been kind of busy, uh, but it's coming soon. I want to remind you all that we are prayers that shake heaven and earth. We are looking at having that book being shipped out beginning mid-February. It's in typesetting right now, and it will be uh, going to production as soon as that has been finished and approved. So, Praise God for that tool, which I believe is going to equip people all over the world. Don't forget, if you have been blessed by our prayers, to tell your family and friends about this project. I want to just say, with that, we're going to get right to the program because I know that you guys love short intros. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We're in January, folks, of 2018, and this year is off to a radical start. And I am very happy to bring on the podcast again, as we're at the outset of this year, Casey, who's joined me on a number of occasions to discuss the wild and radical journey that she took with me as we worked on establishing her and healing and deliverance in Jesus Christ. 
And the beautiful thing about Casey and her story is that she has detailed in great clarity and depth the play-by-play uh, -play of all of the things that happened during our work together. And with that play-by-play, -play, we've been able to have a conversation through a lot of the things that led to her breakthroughs and her healing that also reveal mechanics of the spirit realm. And we are going to continue that conversation today. Casey, welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much and Happy New Year to you, Daniel. Well, Happy New Year to you, Casey. You know, I, I'm just so excited about what God is doing in the earth, in our lives, and frankly, at Bride Ministries. Uh, and you, you, God has done so many amazing things in your life. And I had the privilege of being part of a number of those things. I also remember in our last podcast, you left a bit of a cliffhanger because you started talking to people about the Anunnaki. And then you said, but I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story until the next part. And so there's at least a few people that have been waiting for this and for the rest of the story. And I am excited to tell you guys that we are going to get to it, but not just yet. So what we are going to start with, Casey, is where our journey of work together picked up. And uh, at, at a certain point, we're going to get to the cliffhanger. But why don't you just tell us how things transitioned between the last part of the story that you told us about and where things went picking up with our next piece of work? Well, I like to start out with, um, and this is for the uh, the first time listeners especially, is that um, in the spirit realm for me, it's like I am looking at a huge movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I am in the middle of a movie scene. So there's actually several episodes that take place or several events. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just like when you're watching a movie, you don't, you don't have just one scene or action scene going on. You actually go from one scene to another scene and then you come back to scene one and you might go back to scene three, it, things like that. So that's the way it is with the coaching sessions that Daniel's had with me. He's had to deal with several active scenes going on at the same time, and it could be in one coaching session. So with this uh, particular uh, coaching session with Daniel, um, and I want to, to say in episodes five and six, I just want to bring this up. I talked about how Daniel activated my spirit woman in her seven facets. So if you want to know more detail about that, I, I invite you to listen to episodes five and six. The question that came to me about what should be done the next time my soul was in charge of my life, and I knew that my spirit woman should be in charge now. So uh, Daniel and I are actually having a conversation and um, not only a conversation with me, but also a conversation with my soul and my spirit woman, knowing that my spirit woman should be in charge and not my soul. See, 
I grew up, my soul was in charge of everything, of course. And that probably that's one of the ways that I, I'm alive today because she was in charge. She had to do everything. My spirit woman was not in charge at that time. But now we came to a crossroads where we knew that my spirit woman had to take the seat of of um, of dominion. charge, I guess. Yes. Yes, dominion. So, well, I would, um, I knew, I, see, I, I heard these stories about Daniel and how he had to be a kind of a mediator with some of some of his other clients between the the their souls and their spirits because their souls and their spirits were actually uh, mad at each other because of the things that they've had to go through. So I I didn't want that for myself. So I started talking to my soul, and I started just telling her how much of a benefit of her for her it would be if my spirit woman took control and basically I would just take her through the different dis, uh, different um, uh, verses in the Bible and uh, to tell her that she would be so much happier if my spirit woman would uh, take the realm now you know let her take dominion and so it took a while for my soul to come into agreement but she did so uh, the big question for many, because it was a question for myself, too, is that, uh, is it okay to talk to your soul? And King David in the Bible talked to his soul quite frequently. In Psalms 103, 1 through 2, it says, Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me, bless his holy name. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Now, you know, David's having a conversation with his soul, and he's telling his soul not to forget none of God our Father's benefits for him. And he's telling his soul to bless and affectionately praise the Lord. So the answer is yes, you can talk to your soul. Like, I mean, yes, you could talk to your soul. Another uh, scripture verse is 104.1. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. So, you know, he's, he's just telling him, his soul to bless and affectionately praise the Lord. It's okay. If we go down to uh, Psalm 41.4, the Bible says, as for me, I said, oh, Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Now, in this particular case, David's acting, acting as an intercessor for his own soul. Uh, he's repenting. He's asking God the Father to be gracious to him because, you know, against him, uh, he's sinned against God the Father, and that's why his soul needed healing. His soul was sick. So actually, his soul needed someone else to intercede for, for uh, him at that point. So there are many uh, verses and scriptures about talking to your soul. And it is perfectly okay. You're, you're not out in, on the fringe. You're not some loony tune or anything like that. Yes, you can talk to your soul. And it will be very, very good for you to do so. Okay, so one day, one morning, I remember, 
I woke up and I actually heard my soul singing. And she has a beautiful, beautiful voice. And she was singing, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. The song, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul. And I actually heard her singing the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows row, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And then you you go into the it is well, it is well, and then with my soul, with my soul, it is well. It is well with my soul. And when I heard her sing that last prelude, at that point, it was like a peace that passed all understanding, flooded my entire being. And I saw my soul take the second seat and she actually nodded to my spirit woman to take the first seat. That was one of the most peaceful exchanges that I have ever experienced in my life. Daniel, do you have something to say? I uh, I, I do. And, you know, I, I'm just going to take a brief minute to say this. You know, for those of you that have been following the podcast for a while, you know that I will often bring up 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of all peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact of the matter is we have a three-part being, and the body, the soul, and the spirit are three uh, parts of one total human. And what we have learned in the course of our work is that the body, the soul, and the spirit all have a different, and, and I would just call it a different consciousness or a different mind. And so many times I find myself negotiating between the soul and the spirit. And now we're moving into addressing even more, and, and this has come out of some of our more recent podcasts, addressing the consciousness of the physical body. And this has been known, you know, for some through muscle testing and different things, that there is an actual consciousness of the body that you can learn from and communicate with. And this is just the way we were designed. There's actually nothing weird about it. And so... As we are coming into full alignment with God's will and agenda for our lives, that means that uh, we are coming back into a first estate alignment. And when you look at Adam and Eve, one of the components of their first estate was that they were clothed in light. And what I believe that was, was, was the presence of God that completely covered their bodies in the garden in this light cloak. But that was the presence of God that was flowing through their human spirits. And in order to begin to manifest according to first estate, our spirit, man or woman, has to be in charge. And this life, for most of us, puts our soul in the driver's seat. And it becomes an act of submission for the soul to submit to the spirit. And that's part of what sin has done. And and uh, what traditions of men have reinforced. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the Western world educating and empowering the soul and suppressing the spirit. And it's just this simple. I mean, you go to school, do you learn about spiritual things? 
not unless it's witchcrafts that you read in books and stuff. Typically, they're educating the mind. They're teaching you how to navigate life out of the intellect. And they're telling you, oh, if you see anything in the spirit, you actually need medication. Well, that's that's a suppression of the spirit. That's an uplifting of the soul. So we actually build our entire society around this. And most everyone is going to have to unlearn what we have learned in order for right alignment to be established. And KC is bringing to your understanding a piece of her journey involving coming into alignment with First Estate, what God has for her. And so I think that's a really awesome story, Casey. And I think it's a story that's going to be beneficial to people that are on this journey for themselves and asking the question, what does it look like for my soul to submit or come under the mission of my human spirit that God has created me as? So with that said, let's continue. Absolutely, Daniel. We are in a time and a season of kingdom alignment. Hmm. And now we have to ask ourselves, okay, what kingdom am I going to be aligned to? There's only two, really. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Which one are you going to be aligned to? Now is your time to make a decision. You'll be so much happier if you choose to align yourself with the kingdom of God. It's all about kingdom alignment. And so now let's go to uh, the prayer session. So after I told Daniel about the alignment of my soul taking the second seat and now my spirit is at the seat of dominion, uh, we started our our session uh, off with prayer, of course. Daniel always starts his session with prayer. So after he prayed, I informed Daniel that Charles, Charles is my protector. This is for the first time uh, listeners. Charles is my protector. He's my guardian angel. And um, you, I invite you to go to the introduction or uh, episode number two to get more details about Charles, my protector, if you like. But Charles, my protector was 45 years old, and he was focused on healing. So more healing was needed for my memory. And for example, uh, this is, uh, you can, uh, let's see, I think we talked about my memory in episodes number three, I believe, three and four. But just to give you a little summary of, of, of where I was before concerning my memory, and I like to particularly talk to uh, my age group in the 50s, in the 60s, in that time frame, many of us are, we think, or we have been told, or actually we've been wrongly diagnosed that we uh, are susceptible to Alzheimer's and dementia, which I'm finding out now, it's really not so. It's really not the case. It's a lot, it has a lot to do with uh, your mind and your memory, Um being tampered with by the kingdom of darkness. And I'm only speaking from experience, but now that I know the truth, I want to get this out there to you. It may not be that you are uh, experiencing Alzheimer's or or dementia. It just may be that you've been attacked uh, by the kingdom of darkness. So 
we, uh, Daniel, spent considerable time to help uh, uh, my memory to heal. And um, so Charles, my guardian angel, said that my memory needed healing for this moment. So I want to just give you an example of just how bad or the condition uh, my memory was in. For example, before I would leave my home, I would I can take the key. You know, when you leave your house, what do you do? You walk out the door and you lock the door. So you take your key, you put it in the keyhole, you insert it in the keyhole. You, of course, you turn the, the key to lock the door. So I it had gotten to the point where I would have to talk to myself. I would walk out of the house, close the front door, and I would say to myself, Casey, you are putting the key, you are putting your key in the front door lock and you are turning the lock to lock the door. Then I would say, Casey, you are taking the key out of the, the lock of the door. Now I'm talking out loud, literally talking out loud to my memory so that I could remember that I've locked the door and I wouldn't panic after I drive off that I left the door unlocked. The moment I take the key out of the door lock, I would forget. I could not remember the action that I just did. That was how bad my memory was. Daniel, do you want to say something about that? Um, no, I mean, that, that <laughs> it was really bad for you. It was rough. And it was not only impacting you, but also having implications on your marriage and other relationships in your life. And so we were going to believe the power of God could make an intervention. And that's when we ran into things going on in what I call the inner world. And for those of you that are wondering what that terminology means, oftentimes when a person has been uh, abused and gone through some level of programming, which can be done by human agency or the demonic from the other side of the veil, often both, but uh, they can be done exclusively one of the other in some cases. You're talking about internal structures, uh, regions, places that can manifest like castles, dungeons, prisons, houses, gardens, uh, forests, and they exist within the subconscious or the uh, lower regions of the soul in the realm of the heart. And it, it in, in these places, all kinds of events can take place. Different characters can show up, uh, up to and including demons, fallen angels, other people's human spirits, uh, parts that are soul fragments or soul and spirit fragments, interjects, interlopers, uh, spirit children, on and on and on. So these inner worlds can be a bit of a bear to navigate. Sometimes they are modeled after labyrinths. Other times they're a little bit more straightforward. And with that said, Casey, I'm just going to let you explain what happened. Okay. All right. So now just with what I've just described to you, just that one uh, example alone is has been diagnosed to be uh, a symptom of Alzheimer's or, or dementia. So please listen carefully because that was not the case at all. 
Daniel mentioned in a world. So uh, Daniel asked Charles. Now, Daniel, for, for the first time listeners, uh, Daniel works really well with guardian angels and angels. As a matter of fact, he, he is a commander of a great host of angels. Charles, my protector, uh, stands at attention and he waits for Daniel to give him a command uh, during our coaching ses- test uh, coaching sessions to help me with my uh, journey to freedom. So I just wanted to uh, uh, interject that point there. That's very important. So Charles uh, Charles told uh, Daniel that I had an inner world. Daniel asked Charles if I had an inner world system in me. And he said, yes. Now, I thought to myself, the answer is no, I don't have no inner worlds in me. No, I, I, you know, but that was far from the truth. I am learning what's going on with myself. So now I am learning. Okay, I now have an inner world system in me. And then I'm saying, am I normal here or what? So, uh, but that uh, turned out to be a matter of fact, I finally settled down. And by this time, I'm learning how to adjust real quickly in our uh, coaching sessions uh, because uh, we've gone through enough coaching sessions to know that the things that seem to be real far out to me or very weird, uh, it's actually reality. So um, it could be formed. And influence. Now, the inner world, a lot of you may ask, well, what is an inner world system or where does it come from? Well, this inner world could be formed uh, and influenced by the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness, one or the other. You know, the Bible does mention that the kingdom of God is within you. Well, don't you think that that's an inner world system? It could be a mixture of both. It could be uh, your own made-up world system. A lot of the times when we experience something that's not, uh, that's not good for us, we will create an inner world system to escape. And Daniel talks about this all the time. That's his work. That is his entire work. Of, of when he's dealing with his clients is that he's dealing with inner world systems that have been created or made up, you know, it could be made up by the person themselves, a place for them to escape, or it could be deliberately made up uh, by different handlers or the person that's trying to rule and control them. Daniel, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, you uh, gave a, a great addendum to that and the idea of having the kingdom of God influence an inner world is absolutely true. And and what usually happens when you see the kingdom of God be, begin to have its presence in an inner world is when a person is intentionally doing work with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the angels of the Lord, and bringing redemption to the satanic or evil or humanistic constructs that have been built into that inner world. So there may be a field that was a really bad place inside of their subconscious, but 
Jesus will come in during a prayer session or a coaching session or whatever, and he'll turn it into a beautiful garden. And then the person will find that during their prayer times, they can actually go within that region in themselves and find Jesus in this beautiful garden that once was a really bad place inside of them. So what we'll see is that the inner world over time and, and every once in a while, I'll meet people with very redemptive components of an inner world because they've already done work maybe with another coach or on their own or they, they because they understand what's going on. A lot of people, at least when I first started doing this work, didn't really have much redemptive anything because no one even knew what inner worlds were for the most part, even just going back like three or four years. And so uh, we do see that. We, we do see the kingdom and, and you know, this, this could itself be like an entire course. So I'm going to just uh, let this move forward. But yes, Casey, you, you added some really great points. Yes. So now Daniel then uh, informed me that this inner world was part of what was ruining my memory. Imagine that. So I didn't have Alzheimer's or any symptoms of Alzheimer's or dementia at all. It was an inner world that was a, a part of ruining my memory. So Daniel asked me to describe to him the inner world that I had. So I told him about this white room with three doors. This, this, so I, I would visit often or frequently visit this white room, and this white room had three doors. There was a warlock sitting on the floor on my far left side of the, of the room with his legs crossed. This warlock's arms were extended out and his hands rested on his knees. His left hand rested on his left knee and, of course, his right hand rested on his right knee. It's important that I be that specific. He was, a, uh, he was in a yoga triangular sitting position and, and his thumbs were touching his middle fingers on each hand respectively. This warrior sat facing an altar with what seemed to be coals of fire on the altar. His back was against a white painted wall. Now, I have to let you know, in the kingdom of darkness, white is not like the bright white, uh, like the kingdom of heaven. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a dingy type of white. It's off color. It's, uh, it's a mockery of what white really is in the kingdom of heaven. This warlock was dressed in a white long garment with white pants and he was barefoot. He was barefooted. So he uh, wore a white turban around his head. And again, you know, all of this white, it, it, it doesn't have the luster and it doesn't have the glory of God on it. It's just an imitation of it. So I visited the room a couple of times, as I mentioned before, and um, I opened, I decided to open the first door that was on my right. So I didn't open the middle door or the door that was slightly to my left. And um, I'm kind of glad now that I did not make that decision to open those other two doors. So when I opened the door to my right, I saw what seemed to be a closet 
with a bottomless pit. I mean, literally, when you open that door, you would see just a black hole and you would have that sense that there is no bottom down there. So in the closet, there was a massive, bright white light, but it was not pure white light. It was not a pure white in it, whiteness type. Um, it was a white looking power source that took on a partial form of a human being. I thought that this was the Holy Spirit and great fear and dread fell upon me and I closed the door. Now this is what I'm thinking because I, at this point, uh, I was not, I, I had, basically I was just ignorant of this in, uh, inner world I was ignorant of how far Satan would go to mimic everything of the kingdom of God, etc. So I, I'm thinking that this is the Holy Spirit when it wasn't. And so uh, then I get this great dread of fear to come upon me. So I just closed the door. So at that time, I wasn't born again. But I was in a Christ matrix of uh, this, and the Christ matrix is a type of religion. Now I have to just stop here, just pause right here. This is what's going on right now, especially today, where people are mixing up all of these different religions, saying that we can get to God, our, we can get, we can have access to God, our Father, through all of these different religions. I was in that. It's called the Christ matrix. So uh, the Christ matrix is a type of religion. And it's a mixture of many religions together and you worship them all together. And that is found in, in the Bible. Daniel, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, I'm just going to say this for those of you that are a little confused. We took a step back because Casey began to describe to me what she had encountered insofar as her inner world Bef far before we started working together. In other words, when she said, you know, she wasn't saved yet and she was in this Christ matrix, like she had an encounter with this inner world and then that was being brought into the present as we were in our coaching session because we were going back to this thing that she had become aware of years before. And this is actually very common because as we begin to navigate inner worlds, people will begin to pull what they think are memories from dreams or visions or things, stuff like that. And many times they convolute a vision from God with a, a actual glimpse of an inner world and they think one is the other. And there's a lot of confusion that happens because we haven't crossed all our I's and dotted all our T's. And as we get into the work, a lot of clarification will come on past experiences and on the question marks of, well, what is it? What, what did it mean when I saw this or had this kind of encounter in a dream or what have you? And so, uh, what Casey is doing is taking a step back and, 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 you know, just moving forward, you're absolutely right, Casey. All I'm going to say is there is only one door to the Father, and that is the man Jesus Christ. There, there's only one door, period. And without Jesus, who is the one who justifies us by his grace, who is our mercy seat, there's no access to the Father. There, there's no redemption without him because there's no righteousness outside of his righteousness that stands us in right standing with God. It just doesn't exist apart from him. And there is one name under heaven by which men must be saved. So any kind of diversion from that is going to be 
a trap. It's a lie. It's a counterfeit. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. The truth about the one true God is this. There is only one true God who is God the Father. God the Father has one true Son, and his name is Jesus. God the Father has one true Spirit, and his name is Holy Spirit. All of the religions around the world are false, and they all have one evil master, and his name is Satan. Therefore, this Christ matrix religion's master is Satan. <laughs> so with that said, moving back to the room. Yes, moving back to the room. Okay, so uh, Daniel asked me if this room was a house. And I said, no, it wasn't a house. Then Daniel told me that he wanted me to visit the room again with Charles, my protector. So Charles was still 45 years old at this time. Now, I just have to say, when I when we um, are going to go into warfare, Charles is 75 years old. But at up to this point, Charles was actually 45 years old because he was focused on healing and not going into warfare. But earlier, previously, I also mentioned to you that when Daniel, Daniel's the commander of angels, many, many angels, a large host. So when Daniel uh, gave the direction that he wanted me to go back to this room with Charles, my protector, Charles immediately uh, became 75 years old. Immediately. When he's 75 years old, he is ready for warfare at that point in time. So it took a couple of minutes before I would agree with Charles. Now, this is something that's very interesting. Daniel's talking with me uh, in the natural realm, and Charles is talking with me in my inner being. So I'm actually having two different conversations going on at the same time. Daniel is explaining to me he's wanting me to go back to this room. I personally didn't want to go back there because it was unpleasant. So I'm having a conversation with Charles and Charles is agreeing, of course, with Daniel because Charles uh, knew that uh, his commander, which was Daniel at that point in time, needed to know that uh, no, he knew that I needed to go back to that room. So I'm having two separate conversations going at the same time. Finally, Charles, I agree with Charles to go back to the room. And uh, and when I agreed at that point, Charles turned from 45 to 75 and he had his full combat warfare gear on. He was ready to go. So when Charles and I arrived in the white room, the warlock stood up and he was very scared. I mean, he was terrified. Charles, who was on my left side, and Charles positioned himself between myself and the warlock. So he was on my left side. He started yelling at the warlock at the top of his voice. I've never, Charles, I've never heard Charles do that ever from that time forth I mean immediately as soon as we entered into that room immediately 
Charles was yelling at the warlock at the top of his voice. Charles was extremely angry at the warlock. So Daniel, at that point in time, Daniel called in, he called in two warring angels to accompany Charles and I in the room and to bind the warlock. Now, these two angels that appeared in the room, uh, they actually, when they appeared, they immediately bound the warlock, but they did not do this with their with their physical bodies. They actually did this mentally. Mentally, you could actually see the energy flow from them mentally to bind the warlock. So the angels didn't say a word and they didn't, and they used their mind again to just bind the, the warlock. So they were not speaking. It, it, it was, it was, it was mental. Uh, it was an action from their mind that calls energy to go and bind the warlock. So now this warlock was bound with chains and fetters of iron. Literally, you can see it. When this warlock was bound, he started to levitate about five feet above the altar that he had on the floor and he was lying on his right side. So the war, I realized then that the warlock's power source was coming from the altar. So he was still getting his power from that altar. So Charles, my guardian angel, was very loud and he kept yelling at him. And Daniel started charging Charles' spirit. At that time, he started charging Charles' spirit with the names of God, such as Jehovah Raha, the, which is the Lord, my shepherd, Jehovah Gibber, which is God who defends the God of war, Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts and many more. So while Charles's realm was being charged by Daniel, Charles sucked that warlock into his realm and he began to destroy him by dissolving him with what seemed to be an electrical charge. It looked as if the electrical atoms were spinning rapidly about the body of the levitated warlock and he was slowly disappearing as he died. This warlock actually died and he could not go back to his physical body because he was separated from his body. The silver cord that connected him to his body was cut while he was astral projecting. He was dead. The two warrior angels stood there looking at Charles in action, dealing with the warlock. Daniel? Um, I, I mean, well, okay, folks, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> sometimes some crazy stuff happens. Here's the first part of, 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 of that whole piece. You know, it, there was a certain point in my journey where I realized that I had this inheritance from God called a realm. I, I could also, you know, use the Greek term archi, which actually shows up in the book of Jude um, to, to describe what that is. But it's uh, essentially it's like a ring of light that I used many times in the second heaven and on one occasion even manifested it in the uh, 3D world when I was in Australia. Um and 
and I use it a lot in warfare, but it contains a lot of things. And the way the Lord had taught me to use it in warfare was to first always charge it with the names of God. And that really characterizes it with the nature of God. Well, the the next phase of that revelation came when I realized that I could not only just charge my realm, but that God has given many of his angels realms. And that's actually what the book of Jude refers to is the realms of the angels or the archies of the angels that rebelled. But believe it or not, if there are angels who rebelled that have archies, then there are also angels that did not rebel who have archies. And as believers, we can actually activate and charge the archies or realms of the angels that we're on assignment with in order to do kingdom work. So when I began to do that, that's when this particular angel, Charles, he just starts using his realm in this way. And I didn't tell him what to do. I just charged his realm. What he did was autonomous and I'm sure and, you know, he's taking his orders from God himself as, as far as how he's dealing with the warlock on the inside. And God is an administrator of justice, but also judgment. And this is the, you know, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That That, that is true. And sometimes grace and mercy is is on the on the side of the person being delivered and not on the side of unrepented evil doers that will not repent and change so that's what that's what she saw that's all i have to say please continue casey okay thanks okay so now when that happened or after all of that happened Daniel then prayed war prayers to destroy the room. And we all observed the room being set on fire and destroyed. I told Daniel that the altar that sat on the floor in front of the warlock that gave him power needed to be destroyed as well. And so Daniel directed prayer against the altar to destroy it. The warring angels left the room when the room was destroyed. I have, I just want to pause right here and say that um, uh, Daniel has put together a wonderful prayer book for us all to learn how to uh, pray and also learn how to um, utilize effective prayer against uh, the kingdom of darkness. Um, these war prayers or the prayers that are in this book, some of them are war, some of them are healing, some of them are intercession, etc. These are all tried, tested, and true, uh, t- tried and tr- tested, and they are true because Daniel has actually used them over and over and over again in, in, in his prayer sessions with me and, and his other clients uh, when he did this. So, um, I would encourage you to 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 purchase his prayer book and learn how to pray effective prayers uh, is very needed in this time and in this hour. And Daniel's going to conduct a, um, a workshop to teach us all to be, as Daniel says, praying machines. Daniel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I did not pay C- Casey to say that. <laughs> No, he did. Very, very kind of you. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> uh, and and of course, also, yeah, there is a, a prayer class that I'm in the process of developing. That'll be coming up in the future. And 
and of course many of these prayers that are going to be in the book prayers that shake heaven and earth are already on our website for free for your um, access at bridemovement.com of course the book prayers that shake heaven and earth will have a few unique prayers that have not been posted to the website and the only way you'll be able to get those for now is to grab that it was um okay anyway yeah. thank you casey oh. that was sweet oh you're welcome okay so now daniel asked me if that room was in a house with the neighborhood i replied no but i visited a neighborhood that seemed to be in a town within itself in my dreams in other words this room and the neighborhood were in the same dimension there was a 4,000 square foot home that I visited several times and it was supposed to be an inheritance from my grandfather on my father's side. In this dream, I was told that my grandfather was a war hero in World War II and after the world war, he returned back to this neighborhood to build his house by himself. This house had four levels to it and it had many bedrooms of all sizes and it had bedroom suites. It had three living rooms, a huge library with ancient books that were on the shelves and the shelves had chains going across it to secure the ancient books. This house had a dark room that supposedly my grandfather's spirit chose to live in. I tried several times to go up the steps to in that room but there was an invisible force that was present to restrain me and at this point I, I thank God to this day for his mercy for me because he did not allow me to go into that room this neighborhood seemed to have around 50 families living in it and it had a meeting place for the families to meet which was an old building called the Elks Lodge Going back to the house, let's go back to the house. In the back of the house, there was a natural grassy path where cars would travel to go to a cleared space in the wooded area. There was a stone building on the right side of the path, and this is where peop the people of the community held satanic rituals. The atmosphere was like a renaissance setting, and the people dressed like that era. They would look at me, and then I could hear them saying to me, speaking without words, it was just mind-to-mind -mind communication, what are you doing here? And, and then they would tell me, you shouldn't be here. And so that concerned me enough to turn me back around to quickly walk out of that wooded area before the sunset and a darkness would cover that place. So Daniel asked my spirit woman, if there were any books in that library that needed to be reserved before the library and the entire house would be destroyed. And I could see my spirit woman speed reading. She was literally taking one book after other and she was speed reading through those books uh, on those shelves. And there were just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books all on those shelves. So as she would speed read and she couldn't find anything, she'd just throw the books on the floor. So she said she couldn't find anything worth saving. So there were some covenants, contracts, and oaths that were taken and recorded in those books that gave the principalities and the Anunnaki's the legal right to set up a stronghold in that area. Now, 
she said that there was nothing worth saving, but she did take note of the covenants, contracts, and oaths that were taken and recorded in those books that gave the principalities and the Anunnaki's the legal right to set up a stronghold in that area. And this is in another dimension. So I renounced those contracts, covenants, and oaths immediately. By this time, I've gone through uh, Daniel's prayers repeatedly to know that whenever uh, a discovery like that happens, you immediately go into the renouncing mode and start to, uh, to, break, uh, to break yourself from them, from the powers of darkness. So Charles, my guardian angel, said that the Anunnaki's created a community to further their agenda to populate the kingdom of darkness. They are known for their genetic engineering of creating beings of darkness. Daniel asked me if that backyard where they backyard was a place where they did the satanic rituals and was it also on another timeline because now I realize that even though we are in a dimension the dimension can have several timelines so he's asking me if, if it was on another timeline he asked me if it was in another realm or was it in my subconscious and I replied that this backyard was in my subconscious then Daniel said that the Anunnaki's created within me a realm to do these rituals. Can you imagine that? By this time, I was flipping out. Daniel? <laughs> hey, guys, I can't tell you how many junctures and crossroads I've reached in these kinds of sessions where people flip out. and <laughs> it. But, you know, we just navigate it, right? Because... This is the problem. Believers have been trying to solve uh, um, calculus problems with pre-algebra tools. The enemy's working calculus against you, and the church has given you pre-algebra to solve the problems that you are being delivered. And Pre-algebra simply does not have the right tools or framework or paradigm in order to solve calculus. You actually need to use calculus techniques. You need to understand derivatives, integrals to do calculus problems. And that isn't presented until your framework of mathematics is expanded to do calculus. It's a lot of the same things with spiritual warfare. Holy Spirit has to expand our borders and understanding sometimes so that we can apply the right tools to the problem. What people haven't learned is that these evil powers, when they have their covenants and contracts with the bloodline that you're born into, can leverage that into an ability to create internal realms under their control without your direct consent or agreement at any point in your waking life. It's just the way it is. So when we run into stuff like this, I mean, yeah, of course people are going to freak out because like, I never I never knew this was possible. I never heard this before. I've never been taught this. Am I making this up? Are you making this up? Well, and of course the answer is no. <laughs> this is this is too this is too good to make up. <laughs> you know, I, I often comes back to that quote. Like, I can't 
I can't even make this stuff up. It's so out there. And so, you know, we, we hit this juncture. And of course, you know, praise God that there are ways to deal with this and we have the tools and all of that. Uh, with the library that Casey was bringing up, we find libraries and people all the time. And libraries will contain uh, any number of documents and books and records. And we, we find libraries that exist within the person as a component of their inner world. We also find libraries that off, uh, uh, operate more like Akashic records, and according to the works of darkness, where it's like a dimensional library where there is an exit point within their subconscious that takes them through dimensional space to a library. And sometimes these dimensional libraries are for an entire family. So you leave a person subconscious through the spirit realm and you enter the library through a semblance of a portal and only a portion of that library is actually relevant to the individual's life and the rest of the library are books and records uh, that deal with other members or people within their family, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, so on and so forth. So we find different kinds of libraries. Sometimes they're called halls of records. And one of the main purposes of these facilities in the spirit realm is to house the documents that detail the hidden rights and agreements that the kingdom of darkness utilizes against people. So Let's say a person has a library in them and they renounce and close three or four doors during a you know, session of repentance, the Lord dealing with them. So they close these doors, bop, bop, bop. Now the enemy has lost that access. They'll go into the library and they'll go into the back room. They'll find some kind of hidden back door in some other book and they'll begin to work their plans through that so that they can try to reinstate their bondage through another door. And they're using the records that they keep against the believer's life to do it within the realm of legality. And so many believers find that they may be getting the same attack and it'll break for a while, but then suddenly a few days later, the attack is started up again. And they're saying, how did this happen? I repented for this. I dealt with it. I took it to the Lord, covered it in the blood of Jesus and stopped and now it started again. Sometimes they're using the records and they're finding ways to re-engage their, their plans. Now, when we get into timelines, this gets into an even more complex issue because there are multiple timelines. I, I, I'm only going to journey this so far right now in this explanation. But sometimes they will use the counterfeit timelines that they build around a person's life to anchor in evil agendas against them. And if you resolve something on this timeline, they will, if they have the access and the uh, correct set of scenarios in the spirit, will go back in an alternate timeline and build in a satanic event that is before whatever was addressed to re-engage a, an affront against a believer's life as a backup program. And, and so, the, so many times they're using these other timelines and that may be completely over the head of some of you and I, I'm sorry, but this is what we're dealing with. So we're always dealing with these other timelines and Casey's actually going to get into a little bit of what that meant for her life in this case. So go ahead and, and, and continue, Casey. You're doing a really great job. Okay, so now at this point... 
I was just offended. I mean, you know, it was it was like an extreme offense. Like, how in the world can the Anunnaki's? And I even asked, now, we're right in the middle of the battle. And whenever we're in a battle, Daniel is extremely, I mean, he is, uh, his ruler, at this point, his ruler is up. And uh, his ruler didn't answer any questions because he is literally on a mission. So I asked Daniel, Anunnaki, what can you spell? Anunnaki, what in the world is an Anunnaki and all this other stuff? But um, you know, I just just the thought to know that the Anunnaki's created within me a realm to do satanic rituals and to and and to and, and to genetically engineer these dark beings to create their kingdom and oh. It, it was just, it just grossed me out. So I wanted all of that. At that point, it's like, okay, we're going to destroy all of it. Just get it, just destroy it, demolish it. Like, yeah, game's on. We're going to destroy it. So many other humans, I saw many other humans that were in bondage in that realm as well. The whole neighborhood was oppressed. And yes, there were human spirits there that were in bondage. So when my spirit woman uh, completed going through all the books in that huge, huge library, the whole floor was covered with books. Daniel prayed to destroy the room with fire and the wrath of God. The whole house was leveled to the ground into a big ash heap. I saw that literally. Then I saw what seemed to be a legion of warring angels to appear, and they came from their base that was indirectly set up from a previous war on Orion. Yes, you heard that right. Daniel has his own base set up on Orion with war angels, and these war angels in our sessions will come to assist Daniel from time to time. And this is one of the times that the legion, it was a legion of war angels that appeared and they came to assist Daniel in this war against the Anunnaki's. So these war angels came and they warred against the Anunnaki's. So uh, you're more than welcome to go to episode number three. I just wanted to pause here to say if you wanted to uh, know more about the first warfare, I think that we had, which is with, uh, uh, it was on Orion, uh, the, all of that, the details and everything concerning that is on episode number three. And so the Warren Angels were wrestling with the Anunnaki's and their demonic hosts, but the angels were not making any progress. So the angels said to pray. I mean, I could hear them say, pray, pray. So I told Daniel. So when Daniel prayed, the war angels gained strength and they defeated the Anunnaki's and the other fallen angels and princes. And they fled in terror. They literally had a look of terror on their faces when they all fled. The people and the human spirits who were held captive there were set free, and some of the angels escorted them back to their owners who were still alive on the earth. If the owners were not alive on the earth, then the angels took them to where the Lord Jesus would have them to go. 
Now, at this point, I just want to stop right here. This is uh, something that Daniel's taught me is that, you know, basically we we uh, don't tell the angels where to take human spirits because all of the spirits belong to all of the human spirits belong to Jesus. So Jesus will take them to wherever he would have them to go and you leave it there. So Daniel focused on healing at that point. At that point, uh, the war was over. The Anunnaki's were defeated. As a matter of fact, they were scattered and and uh, we had victory. That realm was completely demolished after the human spirits were taken out of there, out of captivity. They were set free from that realm and that entire realm was completely demolished. So now Daniel focused on healing me. So he asked me about my life when I experienced rejection and if there was a part of my soul that took on the, these painful times. So he invited that part of my soul to come forward and introduce, introduce herself to him. An older woman who was about 68 years old, who had, a strong, who had strong Cherokee features with medium length gray hair came forward and she introduced herself as Addie. So Daniel told her, that her role, no, I'm sorry, she told Daniel that her role was to take on the rejection whenever I experienced the time of rejection. So she bore that burden for many, many years with me because it's been many, many years that I've actually experienced rejection from one, one area or, you know, one kind or another. And uh, she was actually tired. You could actually see in her face that she was very, very tired. And she wanted to be reunited back to my core. So I like to pause here. I have gotten to the point where I constantly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when I say this, I will even lift my hands up on both sides of my body. And I will go up and down like, as for me and my house, which includes my spirit, my soul and my body, we will serve the Lord. This is my house. We will serve the Lord. And as I continue to repeat that and reinforce it, uh, I've noticed that when parts are, or fragments have been discovered and they finally come forth to introduce themselves, it's not very long afterwards where they're ready to be reunited, not only reunited back to my core, but they want to serve the Lord too, which is a beautiful thing. Beautiful. So Daniel told me to hold Addie's hands, which I did. And he prayed for Addie to be reintegrated back into my soul, my core soul. So Addie didn't waste any time at all. She was reintegrated back into my core soul before Daniel could complete his prayer. So Charles, my guardian angel, was satisfied. And you know, Charles, he really likes Daniel. And, and especially with the work that Daniel does in this particular case, he was actually leaping up and down in anticipation for the next session with Daniel. Literally, <laughs> he was satisfied. <laughs> so, so Charles said that my memory uh, would greatly improve, and it did. It really did. And so Daniel said that he and I would uh, monitor the progress of my mind, which we did. So at this point, this ends this uh, this prayer session. 
uh, the work for this particular time frame uh, is over. It was done and it was completed. Thank God. Yes, and uh, well, folks, as you can see, this this work gets fun at times. Uh, it, it really does. <laughs> you know, working with the power of Jesus Christ is actually really cool. And this is why I am I'm firmly convinced that the kingdom of God is a superior kingdom to the kingdom of Babylon. And if only believers could get a grasp of the proper understanding of how God's government stands up to the government of the enemy. Uh, we, we would see a, a much different experience in this earth. I, I will also say this, uh, and we're going to slide into another story because uh, we still have a few minutes and I, I want to get Casey talking about Baphomet because I think that that is just a really, really important subject to get into, which actually took place during our next session. The, the Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Those words, quick and powerful, quick obviously meaning life-giving and powerful. Powerful comes from the Greek word energo, from which we get our term energy in English. And when we are speaking the word of God in prayer, we are energizing the armies of the Lord. They do receive energy and life and strength and capacity from believers who are declaring the word of God into the atmosphere as they pray. So some believers, they, they get into this stinking thinking. They say, well, if God wants it done, he'll just do it all by himself, you know. Well, but God has a way of working things out. And one, he co-labors with us. Two, he's a CEO. He has angels to do his bidding. But when he sends out his angels, his angels are sent out on the other side of the veil to work with his children who are being raised up in sons and daughters. You know what you do with a son or daughter? You train them to be just like you as the parent. We're being raised up for a spectacular manifestation. And we don't get that. We, we think we're on earth just to survive. And, that, and that's backwards thinking. So anyway... Let me not preach. If you want preaching, you can come to the Fireplace Church on Sunday nights. I'll go off, I promise. Uh, <laughs> we want, I want to talk about Baphomet here. So as we got into our next session, Casey had a revelation that Baphomet had polluted her family's bloodline. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that, Casey? So Charles, my protector, is my guardian angel, was 75 years old at the start and he had his sword strapped to his side. Uh, four more spirit husbands appeared after this. And also with them, some ladies appeared and they were celebrating the satanic promotion of these spirit husbands. I saw four gray bath robes uh, appear and they put them on. It, it was like it, that was their gift. Um, so I sensed that the genetics of my bloodline we're in many different timelines, and it needed to be cleansed. Well, some may say, well, how did you sense that? Well, you have a knower. It's like when you're born again. You know that you're born again. You know it. Well, it's, it's just like that. Uh, many people, I know uh, Ruthie Andrews you will use her knower. And, you know, you just know or you get a download. Daniel uses download a revelation. 
you just get a download. So this is what it was. It was downloaded to me that the genetics in my bloodline in many different timelines uh, needed to be cleansed. So I asked Daniel why more spirit husbands were appearing. And he said that it was because of generational iniquities and sins. Daniel mentioned that we were going to pray the freedom from the Illuminati bloodline genetics prayer to be set free from Baphomet. Baphomet is a principality that was identified by my husband a couple of years ago while he was faithfully praying for me and pro uh, providing a spiritual covering for me as his wife. And my husband, oh, oh, I can't thank God by father. I can't thank him enough for him to give me a spiritual man of God who has faithfully prayed for me. He faithfully prays for me. He faithfully covers me. Oh my goodness. Ladies, pray that God, your father will provide you single ladies. God will provide you with a faithful, steadfast husband. So Daniel inquired more about the four husbands. And it turned out that they were men on earth from a different timeline somewhere in England. Charles said that the men, along with the women, were actually spirit children. Imagine that. At this point, I knew that Satan was scared and that his seed would be purged from my bloodline. Baphomet was, had polluted my family's bloodline for years. This was a huge generational bondage that had to be properly that had to be uh, properly dealt with. This was a huge violation as well, and this violation had to be had to be uh, dealt with in the right way. So this revelation was confirmed when the Lord exposed Baphomet, unfortunately, unfortunately, to be my husband, and he told uh, he told. Baph he told me that Baphomet had to be dealt with, which I understood, yes, because Baphomet is not my husband as far as I'm concerned. And so I had not taken the time to go through the delivery process uh, with Daniel Eve. So coming to Daniel to have to go through a proper deliverance or an effective deliverance was a was a just a blessing to me. So um, the Daniel's prayers actually go in steps. He has uh, logically and methodically thought out how, with the help of the of Holy Spirit, how how should an effective prayer uh, be effective enough to deliver us from these major principalities and powers, etc. So uh, his prayers are in steps one, step two, step three, step four, step five. I just wanted to just give you that introduction there because um, I'll say that we started out with step one and step two. And of course, if you go to www.bridemovement.com, and to the resources section, you'll be able to pull up this prayer and you'll see what I'm talking about. So now when we are at number three of the prayer of the prayer, 
It says, I now deed all territory in me occupied by Baphomet, genetic code markers, bone marrow, and blood, and all sentient intelligences, along with their agendas, connected realms, and timelines, over to the kingdom of God. And I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take throne and rule over this territory with your rod of iron. At this point, I ask Daniel to repeat number three again and to say only the timelines section in that prayer. And at that point, there was a resistance in me that prevented me from talking. It's like my mouth was shut. I couldn't open it. So Daniel pursued with war prayer at that point to defeat the power that attempted to abort the prayer. Then I saw a counterfeit timeline appear that Satan made. Baphomet is Satan. Yes, let me say this again. Baphomet is Satan. I want to interject here. Stop for a moment. I remember the um, dream that I had, and it was almost like a night vision because it was real. It was almost as if we were in this um, world dimension, but we were. I was not. I was in a dark cave. Uh, well, actually, it was the entrance of a dark cave. I was about to leave it. I saw a being, a man being with a um, with a, 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 a goat head. He was sitting at a negotiation table and it was a small negotiation table. And he sat there, he was in a black business suit and he sat there looking at me. Immediately as I was looking at him because I was about to leave that cave, a voice of an angel literally said, Satan. I immediately pulled out of that dream. I sat right up in my bed and I started giving Satan orders of he has no right to negotiate. He has no right to appear before me in that matter. He has no right to discuss anything with me. He has no right to project his voice. He has no right, period. I started uh, uh, commanding the boundaries concerning him. I will not allow him that um, a close of a proximity to me at all. And we have those rights to do that, by the way. So I just wanted to say that. So Satan put uh, that counterfeit timeline into my real timeline for the purposes to overthrow my real timeline and to keep me from my destiny. Meanwhile, I saw Charles, my protector, violently slice up the four spirit husbands with his sword and he grabbed the timeline that Satan made and he took it and it looked like a it looked like a fat stuffed rope and he violently cut the timelines. He meaning Charles, my protector, violently cut the timeline into several pieces. When the timeline when the timeline was sliced, for the first time I could see the cover of of the real timeline and then the perverted timeline that was inserted by Satan. So now imagine this. You have a big fat overstuffed rope and you know that something's inside of that rope and you cut it and then you see like this rope, the first part, the real rope is brown. You know, let's, let's just take a normal rope. A real rope could be brown. You slice it and then on the inside of this stuffed that rope, you see all of this black rope that's all on the inside. That's similar to what it looks like. That's the perverted, those are the perverted timelines. And there are many of them on the inside of that. So these are the perverted timelines that Satan uh, 
that Satan's established in there. He actually inserted them into the real rope. So I could see blood spewing out of the counterfeit timelines. It was flowing out with what seemed to be pulse-like movements, you know, like blood its moving in pulse-like movements. Charles kept slicing up the rope. I want to say that all of the elements and timelines that belonged to me were recovered and they were restored back to me at that point with Charles doing through the actions of, of what Charles was actually doing. So when this timeline was actually sliced open, my timelines and, 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 and the elements in all of my, in, in the timelines were actually being recovered and restored back to me. Daniel? <laughs> so we at this time used a prayer that I call freedom from Illuminati bloodlines because I hadn't yet reformatted the prayer to accommodate bloodlines from fallen angels. So, so now we have the freedom from fallen angels bloodline and genetics prayer on the website that is, it, it's much more accommodating to the name of a specific principality or fallen angel. Uh, and you can find that at bridemovement.com. It'll also be in the book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. Uh, but at that time, you know, we're still, I'm still in development. This is a while back. And, and we're figuring all this stuff out. Well, the next point I want to raise is that, yeah, we go through these prayers in steps and stages. And so the, there's, a, there's a logic to the flow of the prayer. By the time we get to the point three, there, there's a reason why every word is there. There are genetics, there are markers, there are bone marrow, there is blood, there will be sentient intelligences. Anytime you have some kind of fallen heavenly power interfacing with the bloodline and using that as a backdoor right to attack a person. Um, and those, and there will also be agendas, there'll be counterfeit realms and timelines. Like, and, and, and there's, you know, I, I could go on a dialogue about each word in this prayer and, and you know, here we are. This is how we come to some of these conclusions, because as we go into this work with a person that's receiving freedom and liberty from Jesus, many times they will see the mechanics of the spirit realm, like Casey described them to you, and I'll be able to understand what I'm actually dealing with. I'll have context. I'll have a visual. She's giving you the visual of what it looks like for a counterfeit timeline to be dealt with by the power of God and what it means when a, a person has an evil power, a fallen angel in their bloodline, and they are having their godly timelines totally derailed by these evil influences. So, so this is something that needs to be dealt with and we deal with it. So that's uh, that, that, that's all I have to say, Casey. You're doing a great job. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now at this point, I'm taking notice of how strange it was to see Satan's blood and his genetics flow from the counterfeit timeline. Uh, but the spirit husbands didn't bleed when they were sliced up by Charles, if you can imagine that. I, I took very good note of that. I, I thought that was interesting to witness. Oh, and so, I will, uh, let me just add one more point uh, before we go forward. Regarding the Baphomet bloodline specifically, 
I have found that in every case I've come across so far where a person has come to me and said either my father or grandfather was a 32nd or 33rd degree Freemason. For whatever reason, the bafflement bloodline renunciation is a huge part of the deliverance process the Holy Spirit will take that person through. They all 100% have had to, at least in my experience to this date, have had to renounce the Baphomet bloodline. And I'm not sure what the full connection is between Freemasonry involvement at the higher degrees and how Baphomet actually gets into the bloodlines, but the correlation has been there time and time and time again. And so if you have a father or grandfather that was involved in Freemasonry at the 32nd or 33rd degree, I would suggest finding a prayer counselor or someone you trust, getting the prayer off our website, bridemovement.com, Freedom from Fallen Heavenly Power, Bloodline and Genetics, and go through that prayer with them for Baphomet because I can guarantee in just about every case, if not all of them, there will be breakthrough. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. So, now back to uh, number four of, of this prayer. It says, uh, or it prays, in the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point associated with Baphomet genetics, markers, bone marrow, and blood, and all sentient intelligences along with their agendas, connected realms, timelines, and all associated counterfeit inheritance. At this point, I felt a movement in my in the parietal lobe of my brain as if a marker or an object was literally pulled out from the backside. I noticed the beginning of recovery of the recovery process of the functions of the parietal lobe of my brain and they were starting to operate again. Now I'm actually feeling this on the inside of my head. The parietal lobe's functions, if, if we just review some of the functions of the parietal lobe, they are sensations, language, perception, body awareness, and attention. My foggy thinking systems were absolutely gone, but I could not distinguish sensational feelings at that moment, but I knew that they were actually being restored. My language patterns were beginning to clear up. My perception was heightened. Now, uh, I'm sure Daniel noticed this. When he first started to do his coaching sessions with me, it was almost like I, uh, my thought patterns were all scattered. Uh, I, in my own opinion, I sounded like I was uh, like a, uh, a two or three-year-old girl. You know, I, I, my language was not... Um, clear it was not logical daniel do you did you pick up any of that i i don't know i don't know that it was necessarily that bad casey but yes did i note that there was a uh, improvement over time absolutely absolutely noticed the improvement over time yeah i'm i'm probably a little harder on myself than anything else but you know i i knew that um, it's like this, you know, I, I have a major, you know, I majored in mathematics and things. And, and you know, when I, when I, it, it was disheartening to actually witness myself go down this, this regression type 
state of mind and being. But as we go through the sessions, I'm actually seeing and witnessing uh, a major breakthroughs going on with my brain where to me, I sounded like a two year old, but you know, I'm, I might be a little exaggerating there, but the point is, is that my, my thinking and, and all of the foggy symptoms of thinking and not being able to think clearly, you know, think things through logically, they were actually being restored. And I was very, very happy to see that and to experience that. So now we finally go through all of the nine points in the prayer. And the last paragraph says, lastly, I pray that every spiritual object, tattoo, device, label, jewel, necklace, earring, crown, scepter, marker, power, source, grid, or branding place in or around every part of me in order to anchor in my Baphomet heritage could be cons- would be consumed by the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. I close every known door and unknown, unseen, seen and unseen, and I call them completely sealed in Jesus' name. That is the uh, end of that prayer. So we close that, that part of the deliverance session out with that prayer. Okay, but the session itself still needed uh, uh, more work. So we continued on. So Daniel continued his attack. By this time, even though the delivery part... now. Uh, I want to just say here, the delivery and war can and, and and war prayer can be going on at the same time. And this is the, this was the case here with me at this point in time. We have a delivery session going on, and at the same time, we have Daniel's actually warring at the very same time. He's actually doing two separate functions simultaneously. So once we ended the delivery part, Daniel continues with his attack by charging his realm with the names of God. And then he laid his realm over my real timeline. He, he, at this point in time, Daniel is in full operation of warfare. He's charging his realm. He's charging Charles's room. He's charging the war angels that appeared there for war. He's charging their rims. And previously he mentioned uh, what happens when he does that with prayer. You know, prayer is energy uh, and it's energy from heaven and how he can actually charge angels realms for war. And so he did this with the names of God, like Jehovah Jireh, which is Lord, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, our banner, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there, Jehovah Mekadeshkim, the Lord who sanctifies, Jehovah Desikinu, the Lord, our righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah Giver, the Lord who defends, the man of war, El Loam, God is unchanging, he's eternal, El Shaddai, Lord Almighty, Lord God Almighty, all-sufficient God, El Elyon, our God is supreme and sovereign, the most high one, and he did more. Now, Daniel took particular time, he, he took uh, um, usually he would uh, charge with a few names, but in this particular case, he came out with a whole arsenal of God's names to charge our realm because of the magnitude of the uh, warfare that we were about to engage in. So 
this was in uh, preparation to destroy the realm of where the spirit husbands and the women and the women and all of the spirit children, where they were creating all of the counterfeit timelines with Satan's genetic code. So during this time of war prayer, I saw 10 timelines appear, 10. They were connected to each other by short ropes and it resembled a net that you can hang on uh, on the side of a boat or on the side of a building so that you can climb up on this, like a rope ladder. It looked like a, a, a ladder made of rope. So Daniel said that this was how the spiritual children travel between the timelines by going through the rope-like connectors that connected the timelines together, if you can imagine that. Then he commanded the angels to dismantle the timelines. He called the fire of God to consume the gate, the golden hair that he called forth, the living water to purge any remnants. Okay, so now at this point in time, there was also a gate and Daniel called on the fire of God to consume the gate as well. Daniel called the powers of darkness into chains and he chained the assigned demons to cages to be tortured. Daniel's very good at this. He will actually create in a heartbeat cages and he will actually throw the demons into the cages. And you can, I saw this, you know, I saw the cages being formed as Daniel's praying. And it's, and it's very, these cages are very detailed. It's like, um, as Daniel's praying, you can actually see light come from him, but you can see the cages actually being formed from these light beams. It's like shafts of light that would actually come down and then you would see these rods coming and they're forming from the shaft of light and the connectivity of these, it's like a full blown cage with a door in front of it. You can see this come into existence. And then as Daniel commands that the demons are actually cast into the cage, these demons, it's like an internal a uh, power actually violent. It's a violently, they violently throw the demons into the cage. And then he commands these demons to be chained against the back of the cages. You can actually see the chains being formed out of nowhere. And they're just going round and round and round to change these, to chain the demons inside of the cages. It's very, it's, 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 it's wonderful to see uh, that magnitude and that kind of power into work. So, again, um, I wanted to, let's go back to the cages. So, so then after that, I saw an image that looked like a vault, like a library uh, on the floor bed of the sea in Antarctica, and it belonged to Baphomet. Now, this is very important because now we're at a major uh, timeline in the bottom of the sea. There was an ancient bloodline of my ancestors that completely sold out to, to Satan. I'm, I'm learning all of this. I saw that these ancient documents that represented the counterfeit uh, guarantee that my bloodline would not be redeemed. Anyone who tried to leave would suffer severe heart failure. I saw human baby hearts 
that came from abortions that were used to seal the covenant and agreement. I immediately repented of the atrocities of abortions that happened throughout my entire ancestral bloodline and me and my family. I I renounced the oaths and I commanded the threats and bondages to be annulled. They no longer have any legal existence on me or over me. Then I saw these dirty brown blisters covered in brown slime ooze out of the books and scrolls that were oaths, covenants, and and pledges. They were actually written there. Then I saw a huge male mermaid. Uh, They actually call him Mermen. And uh, his name was called the King of the Sea in Antarctica. Daniel placed his realm over the mermen and that region of the sea and included that vault-like library and commanded a complete destruction of the realm of darkness. He commanded bankruptcies in all operations in that realm and that the stolen goods be restored by the rightful owners and that they be restored to the rightful owners and that there would be a complete collapse of this evil facility and all other related facilities in this realm. I perceived at that point, as I mentioned previously, that this realm was a major ley line. Then he began to rebuild the place with the holy war angels and they consisted of male and female angels who assembled the images, who uh, resembled the images of many people, nations of the world. Now, at this point, uh, I've never that actually resembled the people, nations of the world, but they actually gathered here at this major line line, ley line. Uh, at the bottom bed of of the sea in the Antarctica. So uh, they surrounded this perimeter. They actually surrounded the perimeter that Daniel secured for the kingdom of God. And uh, of course they were on the sea under, they were on the floor of the, the sea. The angels appeared and they looked like recording angels and they were writing on a scroll what was taking place. So if you remember, Daniel briefly explained how the seven aspects of your spirit uh, should be involved in every aspect of your daily life. Well, in warfare, your ruler, your mercy, your exhorter may be helping you when you are teaching and this is, they will be helping you in warfare or while you're teaching, your teacher will help you. Or when you're prophesying, your prophet will help you. He will speak. Well, in this particular case, in this war, I saw Daniel's ruler and my ruler that were present. Both rulers were riding in the chariots with their horses. Daniel's ruler kept circling the perimeter of the location where we were in the Arctic, Antarctica, to locate any weak points. And then he would command the angels to fortify those weak places. Meanwhile, my ruler just looked on. She was actually learning from Daniel's ruler, which is which is interesting. 
interesting to see how they actually interact with each other. Then I saw a, a site that looked very uh, peculiar to me. Daniel commanded an orchestra of musical angels to set up a platform on the floor where that vault used to be to play to the Lord. I saw an orchestra of ministering uh, musical angels appear and they came down to the place where the vault used to be located and they set up a platform and played worship music to the Lord. And to this day, which is January 15th, 2018, they're still there. They're actually playing to the Lord, musical, just beautiful. The, the music is just beautiful. And so um, I want to say when uh, Daniel had uh, Ruthie Andrews on one time and she was talking about how important it is for us to learn how to pray the from the third heaven, the gold from third heaven, to act as a Faraday cage or to act as protectant around us. Um, shortly after that broadcast, after I listened to that broadcast, I actually saw my ruler woman come back to the same place here and she had buckets of gold that she acquired from the third heaven and she was actually sprinkling the gold with her hand. She was distributing the gold out around the perimeter that Daniel actually secured and the whole floor, the whole floor of the sea in that perimeter that Daniel secured was actually covered uh, with gold from third heaven, if you can imagine that. And this is a major, major ley line. So at this point, the coaching session ended. And um, it would be very interesting to learn what really happens from this area, which it, it will, which we probably will learn. Uh, in the near future. Daniel? Uh, folks, <laughs> God is good. God is good. Uh, all I can say is, I mean, it's exactly like Casey described. And God is graduating us into higher levels of understanding how to interface with his kingdom to advance his plans in the earth. Casey, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your bravery and your boldness to be willing to get on my platform to talk about your experience, your own personal healing journey, the things that you have seen in the spirit, because your story is answering questions, breaking down mechanics, and helping to train others that will take this information, the concepts, the ideas, the conversation, and reproduce it in their own spheres of authority, ministry fields, and lives. So, Thank you for being available. And folks, with that said, we are out of time for this week. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries, or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.